What's up, everybody? This is Zach with the Jam Space Podcast. This is episode 40. Can you believe it? Today's guest is Betty Benedetti. She is from the band Sheever, but she's also got her own solo album from the Mesa on Desert Records. She just dropped a video for a track off of that album titled Coyote's Fever Dream. Check that out on YouTube. Go on Spotify, check out Betty Been the Deadly, check out her band She Verb, and without much further ado, let's get into it. This is Betty Been the Deadly.
Hello. Hello, Betty. This is Zach. Welcome to the Jam Space Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on with us. Um, I was curious, is Betty are, is Betty your name or is that like an alias? Because Betty Bendaly is a pretty kick-ass name. <laughs> um, Betty Benedetti is an alias. Uh, the last name is very close to Benedetti. It's an gotcha. Italian name called uh, Benedetti. Benedetti is a given name that has stuck around for a while. I was just curious because it goes so well with your whole spaghetti western vibe that you guys got going on. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Helps to have a memorable name, I suppose. I want to talk about your video that you just put out, which is just the perfect visualization, like the visual representation for your whole sound that you got. Um, Coyote's Fever Dream off your new album from the Mesa. Uh, how was that? That was an awesome video. What was the experience like making that? Thanks. Um, man, it was just the perfect amount of serendipity and bizarre alignment of things to bring that music video, um, into being, uh, I guess to, to kind of like flush out that story, it, it would behoove me to real quick explain the from the making of the from the mesa ep which in a nutshell involved um when the pandemic lockdowns got real intense i kind of built out my van my tour van really primitively lofted the bed and whatever got a bucket and a cooler basically and took off for <laughs> northern new mexico from austin texas austin texas is my home base uh usually but I was doing a lot of camping and um, yeah. So when I took off for Northern New Mexico at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I hadn't really written all these songs yet. I had no idea I was going to record them as a solo project. Um, up until that point, all of my music career had been with my five piece full band, Sheverb, uh, which is like a you know, big psychedelic rock project. Um, but yeah, so I took off at the beginning of the pandemic, hanging out in northern New Mexico on the Rio Grande, lots of nights under the Milky Way, and super unplugged, a lot of time out of reception and all that jazz. And I ended up uh, reconnecting with someone who had run sound for Sheverb years earlier, who was living in an earth ship, had built out a recording studio at his place, um, invited me to park my van there for a while. This character is uh, now a dear friend by the name of Brett Tomadin, and we ended up recording from the Mesa in the Earthship off of Solar Power. Also to do that little EP, I, I reached out to uh, Braden Guest, who's also in Sheverb. He came up and joined us. The whole thing was really spontaneous. It was very much driven by, uh, fueled with a lot of the psychedelics being done out in the desert out there, I would say. Um, I bet that made and, it easy. It's a beautiful landscape and a great area just to be off of the grid and unplugged and get into your soul a little bit. Totally. It was so healing and cathartic. And I feel really um, blessed and privileged that I had the flexibility in my life to kind of just take off and do that. But um, 
Yeah, so the whole thing ended up in this solo EP that got signed to a label called Desert Records out of Albuquerque and um, just kind of like took off from there uh, without it really being an intentional solo project. Um, but getting to the music video, so one year later, this most recent uh, end of summer into fall, I went back for my kind of annual pilgrimage up to Taos area, northern New Mexico, and kind of, it was like everything just picked up right where I had left off and a lot of bizarre serendipity and uh, opening of doors started happening up there. I ended up getting a residency at a gallery called the Revolt Gallery that hosted me for a month up there of songwriting. Um, I got involved in some kind of like experimental performer circles and hosted some jams and whatnot. And uh, One of the women that I befriended through some of these um, kind of experimental maker nights uh, was a woman named Jen Ruff. We became fast friends talking about um, really the desire to kind of use our art and our various mediums to put out some important messages around rewriting our relationship to the natural world, um, trying to create healthier, more reverential dynamics with nature um, instead of something so like extractionist or just backdrop uh, to the plot, so to speak. Um, anyways, she saw my album art, my sticker for From the Mesa, which if anyone's listening and hasn't seen it, uh, just Google search Betty Benedetti From the Mesa. It's a black sticker with a with a triangle on it with my silhouette. And actually there's some lines, colored lines. Those are... Um, the horizon line of three peaks looking out from the earthship that I recorded at and had brought the landscape into the sticker in that way. Anyways, she's, it's, it's very pyramid looking, kind of like Illuminati. There's an all seeing eye kind of a reference in there. Um, and Jen is a badass video artist who teaches at NYU. She teaches film. She does projection art for Patti Smith. She's a really accomplished, badass uh, film artist. And she was heard, heard the songs and the creative collaborations were going really well. And she just really wanted to do a music video together. And she was like, you know, I'm looking at your stickers. I think we need to shoot in front of a pyramid. I know where there's a pyramid out on the Mesa and tomorrow is a full moon. Let's go recreate this image out there. And it kind of just took off from there. Um, Anyways, it was a lot of trying to incorporate, you know, uh, kind of mystical, psychedelic imagery and symbolism with uh, just that just complete respect for the land uh, and the beauty of the natural land out, especially in that part of the country that inspired the song. Oh, I love it. Uh, that's a fantastic story. Everything happened so very uh, organically. Um, it was. It's, it's freaky. I feel like I've put almost no effort into this amazing thing. It's just kind of like from the beginning had a life of its own and this freaky force and momentum. I feel like I'm just kind of sitting shotgun watching <laughs> where it takes me, honestly. No, it's perfect. It's uh, very artistic. I mean, are you 
touched on a couple things I want to talk about. That was a kind of a loaded question I opened this thing with, but uh, <laughs> what's it, what was it like recording in the Earthship? I used to watch those uh, documentaries on on YouTube about building those Earthship homes over there in New Mexico, and I always knew there had to be like artsy types living over there. And and now that you've said that you recorded over there, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely a unique uh, cross-section of people kind of drawn to that way of living. Um, I guess to answer that, I'll say that before we recorded, when I first just kind of started hanging out at my buddy's Earthship with the recording studio inside of it, um, he at the time was wanting to go for some long motorcycle trips, you know, go leave for a week or two on his bike and do some backcountry camping. And Earthships are really designed to be um, lived in. And if they're left empty for weeks, they will literally die. Uh, For example, like the gray water runoff from your shower and from your sink doing your dishes, that all gets pumped through the greenhouse and the you know, if the plants all die, then you lose the mechanism that regulates the temperature and humidity. Um, and then the walls would start to crack. And so it kind of like literally they're designed to be functional spaces so long as someone's actively living in and with them. And, and they're completely off grid. Anybody listening doesn't know they're totally made out of uh, recycled materials and like uh I don't know what that stuff is you call it that they make the walls with and stuff, but it's all totally organic and natural and everything's totally off the grid and they're all out here in New Mexico and it's uh it's really cool, very cool, man. I wish you were allowed to do it in more places, but I just wanted to clarify that, but continue, please. Yeah, totally. I guess I just assume the world knows what Earthships are now, but that's a great <laughs> thing to back up and explain. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the, most of the walls um, at the core, the material is earth-packed used tires mm-hmm. or um, aluminum cans, empty aluminum cans. And so, yeah, it's largely the core building materials are pretty much all um, uh, things you could get out of the trash, right, yeah. or out of the dump. And it's cool um, and the way the tires often, work as a heat sink, you know. They suck all the heat in all day, and then at night they release it into the walls, and it acts as its own heating mechanisms and stuff. Totally. And they're they're fireproof and earthquake-proof. and I mean, there's a lot of um, structural advantage to using that rubber, actually, as a building material. And then it's usually finished with some kind of, like, adobe-like, uh, substance so it feels really warm and organic and there's tons of plants um, in it and one of the other big defining characteristics of the earthship is that on the south facing wall there's usually a slant well there is always a slanted glass greenhouse facing out the south side and they actually measure the pitch of that slanted glass to be 90 degrees to the sun on the shortest day of the year um, for the longest part of the trajectory of the sun's arc on that day. So they kind of like use a little bit of, you know, mapping with the sun and stars to strategically position it so that on the shortest day when you have the least sun, you can still be getting the most amount of heat trapped into the earth ship. Um, 
And a lot of people try to, you know, focus on edible plants in the greenhouses too. Um, all earth ships are like pretty much run on uh, solar and rainwater catch. So they're, they're completely off grid in terms of centralized energy, water, um, or waste systems. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was just a trip to be experiencing one and living in one. And then when my buddy started wanting to do long motorcycle trips, he asked if I would earth ship sit for him for a while and, <laughs> you know, just keep an eye on the plants and, um, and all that jazz. And it, there's just something, I remember talking to friends up there around that time and saying like, you know, I kind of, it feels like when you, when you have a pet that you love a lot and you're like excited, the first thing, like when you wake up in the morning, your eyes open and you're like, oh, I get to go feed or walk or cuddle with right, fill yeah. in the blank animal. There's just like that. That's like what kind of gets you sparked in the morning to get going. I was like feeling that about the earth shit. It just felt like I was living with this living entity that I could feel and sense that I was like excited to be caring for and nurturing, you know, it, it felt very alive and I'm drinking this like, you know, uh, snow melt and rain, like really pure, beautiful high mountain water that's been caught up there and getting to bath and bathe in it. And um, yeah, the whole experience of earthship life makes living in anything else, for the most part, feel a little bit you know, without soul or something, you know, just to quite literally not be living in the earth and within living systems where you're kind of like reciprocating your daily activities with it. Um, it was fucking cool. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to curse where this is. Being, we, we, can uh, say, we can say whatever <laughs> we want. It's a safe okay, space. Cool. <laughs> uh, so was it a makeshift recording studio then? In the so it was basically, yeah, it was basically like a, it was an, a bedroom room with a big old banana tree in the corner facing the um, south wall with the glass windows and the greenhouse, like right there in it. Um, and my buddy does live sound and is a recording engineer and also does video editing work for all kinds of projects. And so he had amassed a ton of gear and just kind of slowly built it up and was running this podcast called um, Tau Sounds where he was interviewing and having a lot of local performers come by to record live sessions. Um, and he hadn't properly like recorded an album in there yet, but it was something he was really itching to do. And um, usually he was too busy doing live sound at a lot of the venues up in that area, uh, like House Mesa Brewery and stuff. So, but I was, you know, with the pandemic shut down, suddenly a lot of us that were way plates too full had some wiggle room to collaborate. And it was really just a fortuitous meeting that uh, he had some extra time and I had some extra time. And, but so we ended up recording uh, at his place. And I, I feel like the whole vibe and warmth of the room you know like the, for example there was no corners or like 90 degree angles right. in that room you know so like just i felt like the way that it captured the sound i mean he had some sound dampening stuff up all around but it just it had like a warm cave 
like feeling in there, you know, and it was kind of like stone floors and earthen walls. And I think it really it translates cool. over the album too. The album has a really great sound and and sort of unique that doesn't that not a lot of uh not a lot of albums sound like this, you know. Even cool. though, thanks. Even the ones in this genre, it just sounds really nice. The guitars are really warm. Were you playing percussion with um, Animal Bones on this? <laughs> uh, me and my music-making partner, uh, Brayden Guest, we played all kinds of weird things. Um, we really wanted to bring in like the textures and elements of the land into the music on as many levels as we could you know recording in the earthship was obviously one but in addition to that we grabbed rocks uh one day we were um at some hot springs up there and brett the sound engineer motorcycle friend next thing i know he took off and he was scaling and climbing this cliff and he gets to the top and we're watching him from the hot springs and he like holds these things up he scales back down and we see that what he was holding up was bones that he had found up on the cliff he carried down and we ended up playing those on the album kind of clacking them together um i think we crumpled some leaves we did all kinds of weird textural things um yeah, for the percussion that made for really, it was very experimental. We were just having a great time, you know, kind of playing with whatever we found around. We ended up smashing bottles. I don't think, I don't know if we used any of those sounds. <laughs> we got had, a little carried away. It was had fun, fun nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so I remember reading about you when this album was first coming out that you were touring around in, in El Camino, doing shows out of the back of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to feel like such a chump doing this, but I have to. Uh, it's technically a GMC Caballero. Okay. Um, All right. No worries. No, feel free to correct me. I stand corrected. I didn't even know GMC I made one of those. I, most, I didn't either until I found this beautiful thing on Craigslist. Uh, years ago and I drove it back from northern Nevada all the way back to Austin, Texas. Um, but yeah, of the Ford Ranchero and the Chevy El Camino, the GMC Caballero was the least made. I, I take it into shops here like that specialize in old cars and dudes come running out and are like, I never knew this car existed. It's a cool, weird, rare thing, but basically it looks like a old brown El Camino. My uh, good friend had one that Dodge made, a Dodge Rampage. Not a lot of people know about those either. So. You're teaching me something new. I did not know that. Yeah, it was a really cool car. But no, go ahead. Well, yeah, um, it was a that was kind of my like salvation of not being able to perform at the beginning of the pandemic. I was setting up my one person um, act with the looper station and all my little gadgets and guitar and everything in the bed of the uh, Caballero and I just had like a hundred foot extension cord and kind of like gorilla pop up in parks or businesses anywhere that kind of had like big outdoor areas where people could socially distance and I could find a working outlet <laughs> just kind of do these drive-by shows um, it was a lot of fun it brought a lot of joy I mean it was a lot of just kind of rolling up on people unexpectedly that you know would say things like i haven't heard live fucking music in a year i can't believe i just went for a walk in a park and 
heard rock and roll or whatever, you know, uh-huh. it was a cool, um, it felt really good to be, have that form of weird expression and have it be received so tenderly, um, especially in the earlier days of the pandemic. Yeah, I think when all this started kicking off, people did one or two things. They either just kind of freaked out and uh, went back to, like, you know, their day jobs. And then other people kind of uh, figured out ways to do stuff a little bit differently. And those people, like yourself with this tour uh, in the back of your car and several other people that just kept doing stuff, kept being innovative and releasing content and stuff and and now we have these awesome albums like yours from the Mesa on uh, Desert Records. And my buddy uh, John and their band, Holy Dead Trio, really popped off during the pandemic just because they were doing different stuff rather than just, you know, being on tour all the time. Totally. Yeah. Love those guys. I love the connection there. Uh, Sheverb plays with Holy Death Trio a good bit here in Austin. John's a good friend. It's just so weird what a small world it is i guess once you start digging under the surface a little bit i think my um, friends the bullies played for you uh open for you guys the other night yeah totally uh friday night we all played together on red river um that was a really really fun show uh i, I didn't know you know them either but the bullies and shiver played i mean man years ago when we were very 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 first starting at this little place called the electric church like a diy venue okay here in, in east austin um but yeah those, i love them the we've been to their uh like bully bash party out, the, out at their place a couple times we played there a while back that's how i got oh, introduced and there's great people uh i yeah. had a little story like we were hanging out in their field you know getting crazy and stuff and um we were on tour and so like three nights later i was up in denver and we were just kind of hopping through record stores and one of the first records that's sitting out facing me in the whole stack is the bowlies record and uh the cover is them sitting on their couch out in that field where we just were standing uh so i had naturally i had to go ahead and grab it
So let's. I just want to talk to you a little bit about um, Desert Records, and then a little bit about Sheverb. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, sure. How how has your relationship been with Desert Records? Man, I thank my lucky stars at least once a week that I got connected with them. Um, they're fabulous. Um, I mean, the whole operation is essentially a one man uh thing the guy his name is brad fry uh running that label and just a tremendous amount of um heart and passion and such a hard worker um and kind of like just doing cool things in a in a little niche of modern music making that i don't feel had like a ton of representation happening in um and He's yeah, he's been awesome to work with. I mean, everything that I've done since connecting with him has been hugely amplified um, with with the help of Brad and the support that the label has amassed at this point. Definitely has a sweet little following of um, desert, you know, stoner doom. Uh, I honestly, I feel like I'm kind of a lightweight to be on that record label i listen to other stuff all the time on desert records i mean it is like some heavy stuff right and yeah my stuff isn't really that heavy but uh there seems to be enough overlap i guess in the people that dig what i'm doing with the people that dig the other types of heavier um stoner doom metal coming out on that label but um so it definitely grabbed I my attention out, you know. outlier <laughs> <laughs> It definitely that? grabbed. I said it definitely grabbed my attention. Um, right on. I've been <laughs> jamming their um, Legends of the Desert splits for a while. That's how I got introduced to um, Brad and Desert Records. Um, Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, here's a crazy story about all that. So, I pretty much learned of Brad Fry and Desert Records when he reached out to me years ago at this point trying to see if Sheever might be interested in doing this legends of the desert split series and for anyone that doesn't know what he's doing he's amassing um he's putting out these 
two band compilations every couple months, Legends of the Desert. There's like a A side and a B side band, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing a really cool job pairing bands that kind of are putting some, I would say, like flag posts in the genre of defining what desert rock is, you know, it's kind of like undefinable, whatever uh, genre. Um, anyways, I think it's a really cool project. At the time that he first reached out, he was calling it gunslingers. And, um, you know, he's like, I think we really need to get some of the kind of spaghetti westerny sound. And Sheverb's kind of like a feminist spaghetti western band trying to flip a lot of the, um, like, archetypes of the traditional spaghetti western glorification of genocide, manifest destiny, and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's like, I think the Shiver bangle on all this stuff is cool. I'd love to have it on Desert Records. And I wrote him back kind of an obnoxiously long email that I almost regretted for a minute that basically spelled out how much we thought the idea of his Gunslingers project doing splits of bands that wanted to operate kind of like in the desert rock spaghetti western motifs was a cool thing but we didn't want to align ourselves with any project called gunslingers because one of the things that sheverb is all about is trying to kind of call out how problematic the normalizing hyper violence of the spaghetti western genre is and like we used to use really cartoony gun sounds for example in our music Mm -hmm. and we pulled all that shit out because we were like what are we really saying here? We don't want to just like regurgitate this trope because it's a common trope. And if you do spaghetti Western music, it's expected that you use gun noises. Well, fuck that. Like we don't want to make that cool. So we consciously pulled gun shots out of our music. And I kind of explained all that to Brad and you know, we were like, love to help you come up with another name or something because we really like to be involved but anyways there's our two cents it was kind of an uppity long email i sent him but he responded (laughs) to me later that night um the very night that i sent that with just this really heartfelt response saying like wow i hadn't thought of it like that i totally don't want to like just be another colonizer mindset project you know doing the colonizer thing thanks for helping me see this blind spot i really want this to be about like the mystical magic of the desert i think i'm gonna call it legends of the desert instead um and like that just is such a beautiful story to kind of sum up working with brad really in a nutshell like i can throw some crazy um whatever stuff at his way and he'll listen uh, with an open heart and it's been a really cool experience working and collaborating with someone like that you know I'm definitely motivated to throw down and get behind and support him as much as he's proving to really get down and support everything that I've done in the last uh, year and a half of signing with him that's that's a great story um, I've heard. I've never met Brad personally, but I, that's all I've heard about him is that he's a really cool, laid-back person. Uh, yeah. His band is heavy as shit. So. <laughs> Red Mesa. Yeah. yeah. Um, Plug for Red Mesa. 
Okay, Betty, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I just want to, uh, what do you got coming on the horizon? Are you going to be doing more stuff with Sheverb? Uh, are you going to be kind of balancing out the solo stuff with the full band? Uh, what do you got? What do you have planned? Yeah, um, well, I'm going to try to do it all. <laughs> we'll see how good of an idea this is in like a year from now. But um, the next each solo Betty Benedesley uh, album is coming out on Desert Records on February uh, 12th or 18th. I can't remember right now. Mid-February of 2022. Um, that's already been mixed and mastered and is off to the label and i'm super excited about this solo collection it's called um the adventures of mabel and carter uh named after the two chickens mabel and carter that i raised in my van with me driving around joshua tree um okay. after the yeah house. <laughs> i've seen these chickens on social media <laughs> they're freaking adorable um that's great yeah, news. So, Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. It was a lot of fun uh, raising these chickens in my van and writing songs and recording them. Um, it was a very Joshua Tree based thing, kind of to follow up the Taos from the Mesa chapter. So that's coming out and it's really exciting. Um, as well as another music video for From the Mesa, the Mescaline Prayer Song is going to get a music video coming out uh, in the next something sometime in the next month or so. And then Sheverb's also going into the studio in February to record our next bundle of tunes too. So it's like just it seems like this is the sentiment a lot of my musician friends are echoing all around right now. You know, it's like the floodgates have opened. Everyone's got their little um, ducks in a row because they spent a lot of the pandemic kind of like taking care of business that, you know, maybe had been pushed to the side for a long time. And now that we're able to get together more, um, collaborate more, it's just like all the floodgates have opened. Uh, I'm going to try to just ride as much of that wave as I possibly can and keep performing and touring and um cruising around in the van for the next adventure as well <laughs> that's that sounds like a plan to me is Sheverb? uh do you guys were released with desert records as well or what how's that gonna work i'm not sure i hope so we still want to do uh the legends of the desert split but that probably won't happen until 23 2023 or 2024 because brad's got quite uh awesome back catalog lined up uh, 2022 is going to be an awesome year for desert records and legends of the desert i'll just say that there's some cool stuff getting released coming out um but we we still may try to release like not in that compilation series um with desert records we shall see tbd <laughs> well Thank you so much for coming on the show, Betty, and I hope you have a wonderful night. And the, the music video is great. Uh, do you just want to tell anybody listening where they could check you out online and follow you and all that good stuff? Sure. Thank you so much. Um, Betty Benedetti on YouTube, Spotify, Bandcamp, Instagram, Facebook. I got 
pretty lucky with this name. There's only one. So if you just Google Betty Benedetti on YouTube, you'll find the music video um, and links to all the socials. Um, and before I take off, I want to say thank you so much, Zach, for doing such an awesome job reading the Mescaline Prayer the last time I got to be in the same uh Oh, thank you so much. My wife kind (laughs) of nudged me up there. You know, I've performed live for people, but I still get nervous in that kind of situation. But (laughs) I think we pulled it off well. Thank you. I love it. And next next time you come through with your band or solo, we'll be there for sure. Awesome. And everybody, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And everybody, check out Coyote's Fever Dream on YouTube. It's a great video. And Betty, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for being on here. We will talk to you later. All right. Sweet. Thanks. Have a good night, Zach. Bye. Bye.